welcome to episode five of Mav Geeks, a military aircraft obsession with myself, Alex Gill and Ginny Carlin. And today we are taking a look at one of the most iconic military aircraft in the world. More than 40 variants of this aircraft exist and it's been operated in more than 60 nations. It is the one and only C-130 Hercules. So episode five, Al, I do feel that this is a kind of a breakwater episode because we have such an iconic aircraft and it's one that we both love and I think it's probably loved by most military people the world over. Al, it's the Herc. The Herc. I mean, just the the name, the nickname of this aircraft says it all, doesn't it? Hercules. I mean, whoever came up with that was an absolute genius because it has got to be one of the coolest, strongest sounding names that an aircraft has ever been given, I think. It just sounds sounds powerful when you say it, doesn't it? It suits it so well, doesn't it? I, yeah. I always think with a Hercules as well, you you just know where you are with a Herc, don't you? You know what I mean? Uh, the sound of it going over. I, actually, I, I live in Derbyshire, but probably twice, three times a week, a US Navy Herc flies over my house. I can't see it. I can see it on the app, obviously, but I can hear it and I know exactly what it is. It's just the most beautiful sound and... I just love them. And I know for both of us that we've we've flowed in them before, haven't we? Yeah, I love them. Um, uh, so regular listeners will, will have probably picked up that I, I work at our radio station at Bryce Norton. Obviously, they're based here now. And, you know, I see them all the time. They go over my house loads. Uh, and I do. I love them. And like you said, I've been lucky enough to fly in them uh, quite a few times, actually, in my, in my time here at Bryce. One of my favourite things I've ever done in them. And this was really early on when I got here. I got a chance to go down uh, the Mac Loop in Wales in it, which was proper oh, wow. low-level tactical flying through the hills in Wales. It was an experience that I will never, ever, ever forget because not not just because it was insanely fun and breathtaking, but watching the skill and the professionalism and the dedication of the crew and just the the amazing talent that they have to have to be able to chuck a very big aircraft at low level through these hills was just it was it was a a, a sight to behold and i will never forget it and what i will remember the my distinct memory that always stands out in my head from that experience was that i felt so sick i felt sicker than i've ever felt in my life <laughs> i think and i remember telling myself don't be sick now be sick later because if you be sick now you'll ruin this enjoy the moment and throw up when you get off when we land or when you know when we've gone back somewhere else and we're just back to it back in the cruise and you can go down the back in the cargo bit and, and throw up into a bag but do not throw up now you're in the flight deck zooming through wales at low level because you'll regret it for the rest of your life and i didn't throw up and i was so proud of myself for not <laughs> So it's really funny you say that about feeling sick because uh, when I was in Gibraltar, I was lucky enough to go up in the Herc with the um, SPAG team. That's the Submarine Parachute Assistance Group. Basically, for people who don't know, it's a group of specialists that a bit like the A-team that come together. <laughs> and uh, if a submarine's in trouble and it's able to surface, then they send in uh, doctors, medics, all sorts of people to try and rescue submariners. I mean, it's like a crack team and they do a lot of practicing around the rock. Uh, I was lucky enough uh, to go and film and stuff. Anyway, so I went up in this Hercules, round around the rock. After a little while, the absolute joy and amusement of standing out on the uh, shelf of the platform at the back, looking out, went with the feeling of nausea, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> massively. I felt so sick. I felt sick as a dog. I was there with the media officer, who we know, a lady called Julia. Yeah. I was there with the army photographer. I went and sat in my seat again, 
And one of the Hurt crew looked over at me and could see that I was going greener and greener. I looked over at the army bloke. He was as green as his uniform. Julia was looking like she was going <laughs> to hurl. And uh, the Hurt crew member looked over at me and shouted, are you going to be sick? And I couldn't even move my head. I felt so sick. Oh, I was sort no. of like, moved my head from side to side, like, no, really slowly. And he went, if you're going to be sick, use a bag, throws like the bag over. <laughs> and, then he, and then he was going, oh, if no. you're going to be sick, you're going to have to clean up yourself. And I looked up yeah. and I went, stop saying sick. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so sick, right? I thought, oh, we're going to land. And then they were like, no, we're going round again. It was like, oh, oh my gosh. No. And, and funnily enough, Vasco, who was on episode three of Mav Geeks, was waiting at uh, RAF Gibraltar where we landed and took me off and had a cup of tea with him because I was absolutely green. I get it. Herks make me go green as well. So you didn't, but you didn't vom. That's the key thing, right? The, it's a badge of honour to say you've gone up there, you felt it, but you didn't actually let it happen. Oh. I mean, I... I, talking about it's making me feel a bit queasy. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I just love the aircraft, you know, and it's a, it's a weird time. Let's be honest. Right now, it is a, a very, very strange time uh, for the C-130 in the Air Force because it's been given an out-of-service date and uh, it's been brought forward and there is just a, a, a real sense of, of sadness, especially because it's being used mm. day in, day out still all the time. And so, um, you know, we, I don't want to dwell on, on the fact that it's, it's going out of service too much. Uh, and in fact, today we're going to be talking to uh, one of your friends who uh, flew the, the variant that the Air Force flew that is now currently out of service, the K model uh, of the C-130, the, the Air Force currently flying the J. But if we just talk about how great and versatile the aircraft is, because mm. it was first flown in 1954 that's when my dad was born it's like come on this aircraft is old you know this is really really old and it's still in production lockheed martin are still producing uh c-130j super hercules there's a civilian variant called the l100 it's it's still present in our lives and it dates back to the 50s it's crazy i always think al you get your your fancy jets your tornadoes your typhoons the stuff that's not even been invented yet that we've seen at dsei but I can't help but love the Hercules because every time I see it, it just feels right and it feels extremely comfortable, doesn't it? Yeah, um, you're right. Every time you see them, they are graceful when they Mm, are in steady flight, actually. You know, you you see them rolling through the countryside and they they look and any GEs or anyone who's ever worked on one will maybe disagree with this, but from when you look at at one from, from on the ground when it's flying, they look just solid you know i'm sure there's been some moments where speed tape has definitely been used to to keep them in the air but you know from well, our point yeah. of view on the ground they look solid as a rock and they sound amazing and they look incredible they're graceful but then again you, you say they're graceful they're used in some of the most challenging tactical environments that you can put an aircraft in you know and that's what they're designed for they're designed to get in and out of places where any other aircraft just would not be able to sand grass rocks mm. you know you name a surface yeah, yeah. it can just get on it and get out and that's what it's there to do and it does it so well and there's so many variants of it you linked me to a a, a page earlier of one that had <laughs> rockets c- c- coming off the back of it you know um there's there's a gunship variant of it called the ac30 it's literally got giant guns coming out the side of it that's used for aerial refueling patrolling water reconnaissance scientific research uh, airborne assaults you name it the hurt can do it it's just incredible that that link that i sent you i was looking at it i was looking at some other stuff as well online and because i always remember i'm sure that there was talk of uh, producing a vertical takeoff and landing hercules at one point 
And uh, so I was like, did I dream that? So I, I kind of had a look online and then the whole top secret C-130 with rocket boosters video came up, which just blew my mind. But it was, <laughs> it was all especially to go and pick up special forces who were in hostile environments within like a city. Mm. Uh, so they could l land really quickly on a football pitch. So these rockets, wow. as they were landing, as it came into the football pitch, kind of blew against it to slow it down massively. And as it was going out again, <laughs> it gave it like literally a <laughs> rocket boost out of the place. It was just incredible to see. I mean, it did look quite unstable, to be fair. Uh, yes. But also also the stuff of dreams for mav geeks such as us. Uh, but I always wondered what happened with the, with the vertical take of a landing Hercules, but... I don't know. I mean, I would guess it would be quite quite a hard thing to retrofit, really. <laughs> Some rockets on it, but there we are. Feel, feels um, like it. <laughs> yeah, oh gosh, <laughs> definitely. I always think as well, which is one of the things that we spoke to our guest, the fantastic, the Reverend Squadron Leader, Alice McDermott. What an absolute legend. Um, is that wherever you are, it's almost like, oh... Somebody had to go and get picked up from some secret place. Oh, the Hercules went and got them. Mm -hmm. Somebody had to have uh, loads of water dropped off. Uh, oh, the Hercules went and got them. Somebody had to have some sand dropped off. Oh, the Hercules went and did it. You know what I mean? It's just used mm -hmm. for everything um, within the Air Force. And it doesn't matter. It's almost like, yeah, Hercules, yeah, we'll do it. But it's like it seems to be used for everything, whether it's a civilian thing or uh, an Air Force thing. It's so versatile. I just love it, Al. Yeah, me too. And it was when I got when I got when every time I've had the chance to fly on one. Do you know what? I'm such a nerd, Jin. You will love this, but also admitting this is something I could only do in your presence. Uh, on, <laughs> Go on, 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 I won't tell no one. <laughs> on my phone, in my little notes app on my phone, I'll just scroll down now and and have a look. Uh, I have to search for it. I've got a list of every tail number of every Air Force flight I've ever been on. Let me have a look rise flights there we go uh the hercs are all the ones that start with zh uh one two three four five 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 herc flights and oh they've gosh. all been amazing and yeah how nerdy is that though that i've got it on my phone <laughs> you see i didn't think i could love you anymore al but i do even more now <laughs> that's exactly what i would do yeah. i've got um my one of my favourite Herc stories is I flew into Basra a few couple of times actually on a Herc when with BFBS. I did a few detachments there. And obviously one of the things is you get to a point where the lights go out, you, you've got your body armour on, you know what I mean? You're ready to do the old tactical landing and everything. Mm -hmm. And just before that happened, somebody came out of the flight deck because everybody's like really squashed in, you know, like or, or you sort of knee to knee with people. And she walked across the top of everybody over to this vent, got a, a, a hammer out of the out of her overalls, give something a bash and then went back in again. Right? <laughs> I was like, what is going on? Everybody's looking around going, well, we're up here now. There's nothing we can do about it. Right? And that happened. We landed, whatever. Again. When I was on it going to Basra the second time, somebody came out of the flight deck and did exactly the same thing. <laughs> really, really strange. And I was talking to a, a member of uh, Hercules flight crew just afterwards, and they laughed when I said, they said, they always do that. <laughs> they, they just do it to like make, to wind everybody up. Oh, that's Which I, you know, I don't know if they do or not. I don't want to <laughs> badmouth anybody. It was just a really strange thing to do, but I always remember that. And then of course, that crazy, fast, steep, hot landing into Basra, 
everybody out. I've got painted black on the headphones from the Rolling Stones. Oh, yeah. And I'm a proper warry DJ. Yeah. Absolutely. You can't get better than that, Al. No, you can't. And that's 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 what the aircraft is. And for the people who have, in their Air Force careers, operated this aircraft in any capacity, I think it's the lead up to its out of service date is going to be a very, very difficult time. But it's so good to be remembering the great times uh, and the good mm. times still to come. And so I think our guest today that we're going to speak to, your friend Alice, is someone who you can just feel the enthusiasm for this aircraft and the people she operated it with. You're absolutely right, Al. She is a complete legend, one of my most favourite people in the whole world, the Reverend Squadron Leader Alice McDermott, formerly of 30 Squadron and 47 Squadron, and here she is for us now. Um, my Hercules story began because I got chopped off tornadoes. <laughs> I had to go fly something else. No, my dream was to fly tornado bombers and... I didn't get combat ready, so I headed off into the multi-engine crossover and uh, wanted to do something totally different, so I headed to the Hercules. Did you feel a great disappointment sort of by the end of your career that you'd not gotten fast jets? Or were you like, yeah, this is always the way I was meant to be? No, um, when I got into the Herc, I very quickly realised I was a round peg in a round hole. I remember back to flying training on the Hawk uh, doing my first night solo uh, and supersonic run at night. And um, I remember climbing up loads through loads of clouds and I got out the top and it was just the most amazing, beautiful scene on top of the cloud. Uh, and there was no one to talk to about it. <laughs> so actually to fly with a whole bunch of people and share the experience is far better and much more fun. I've always thought that. I've always thought being a fast jet pilot, and uh, you know, and back in the day, you would have the two seats, but more and more we're going to one seat variants. It must be a very lonely experience, frankly. And uh, and any of the the fixed wing air transport aircraft, you've got a whole crew of people to to enjoy your experience with. Yeah, and you've instantly got people to you know you land somewhere random, and you've got an instant group of people to go out and have a meal with, to talk to, spend the evening with. And uh, even when you're in the most weird place like um, Ali Al Salem, uh, what is that called? Prince Sultan Air Base, PSAB, you know, th- there might be nothing to do, but you've got a bunch of people to sit around, have a few cans of Diet Coke or Fat Coke, get a pack of cards out, make a game, whatever. You're never on your own, which is brilliant. I love people. So works for me. I think. It's true to say that most serving people, whether they're an av geek or not, have a great affection for the Hercules. And I mean, that must have been like a million times that for you who was a pilot and for the other air crew. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely love the OK model um, because it had a bigger crew. It was there was a certain smell when you got on the flight deck. I, I can't describe the smell, but that sort of smell of old military aircraft. You know, there, there was weird stuff. I looked around, I remember as a co-pilot going, what, what, what's that? You know, this little clip thing at the side of the controls, um, the, the power levers. And someone said, oh, that's where the ashtray used to sit. And I, <laughs> I, you know, I joined just after smoking on board the aircraft went out. Thank goodness. But, you know, can you imagine, uh, you know, four, four people in a flight deck sat, you know, smoking <laughs> away? I mean, that's a different world and a different era. 
But yeah, so I don't know whether that, that contributed to the strange smell on board. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it, it's just like a familiar thing that you've got really comfortable with flying. That nice light lead in as a pilot being a co-pilot first with not much responsibility. I mean, if the captain got up and headed out the flight deck, there was still a navigator and a flight engineer to check that I didn't touch anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you had a bit of a lead in time before you actually had loads of responsibility as a pilot, um, which was nice. Yeah. I, uh, something about the C-130 is that it is, in anyone's mind, in any piece of pop culture, in any film, it is, it's the military aircraft that people imagine. It is the military aircraft that people expect to see in films like James Bond or Mission Impossible. And if they're not using an actual Herc, they've CGI'd some pretend aircraft that's not real that is based on what a Herc looks like. You know, it's a big four-engine turboprop kind of thing. You know, it is, uh, it, it's so ingrained and it's, it's a really old aircraft. And it's also a really new aircraft because Lockheed Martin are still pumping them out. There's the Super Herc now that's doing amazing stuff that displayed at Farnborough a few years ago. Um, and I remember, I've only been in one 1K and that was at Cosford because there's one on stand at the Air Museum in Cosford. And after having been in quite a few Js here at Bry's, I was amazed at how old school the K model actually is. <laughs> it is an old aircraft. <laughs> it, it is. And I think that's the beauty of it. There were so many workarounds and fixes uh, and strange things like if something didn't open, the ground engineer or the Lodi would take the broom, which was part of the, 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 the aircraft, uh, and, and hit a certain bit of the aircraft in a certain place and, uh, and some valve would, would move. Um, compared to the J model, um, I, I, I mean, a little story is every time I flew into, the, into Kabul, in a K model, I never shut the engines down. I could keep the engines running, offload, onload, uh, and get airborne again. The first time I landed in a J model in Kabul, I had to shut down so I could reboot the computer. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it it was that difference that you could work around most stuff in the, the K. Um, so we took Jeremy Clarkson flying. I was the co-pilot when we took Jeremy Clarkson flying on the sunset of the millennium. Uh, and that BBC programme. And I remember Jeremy Clarkson's making some uh, comment about would there be a problem with the computers? Remember that millennium bug? We were all mm. kind of scared that computers would. And it was just like, yeah, you don't have that problem. What in this <laughs> <laughs> so was the K a fly-by-wire? So here we go. It's not fly-by-wire. The flying controls are connected. Um, there's hydraulic assistance to the flying controls because if you think about the size of the rudder and some of the flying surfaces, the amount of strength you would need without hydraulic assistance to move them. And in the Herc, in the K model, um, certainly, either side of the yoke, like the, the control column, but called the yoke, there was two little bars and actually they were footrests, not for lazing in the cruise and putting your feet up, but if you lost the hydraulic pressure, if you put your feet up on those, it, it provided extra strength between you to move the flying controls if needed. Wow. Um, never had to do that. That's just so manual though, isn't it? Just, you know, <laughs> okay. Like the, the so thing, manual, the, when, you, when you look at the amount of technology and computing that's in today's air transport aircraft 
the K didn't really go out so that long ago in real terms, you know. And around Bryce, there are still so many people who talk about their time on it, so it's still very much in in recent memory. And uh, the fact that it was like that it just astounds me. <laughs> And I'm just a bit worried that I recall something wrong and there's going to be a, uh, somebody out there that I used to fly with that I'm going to get banter from because I've forgotten something or, or told you it completely wrong. <laughs> Alice, so I was going to say, I, I've got a, an old car and the, the good thing with an old car is it's really easy to fix because it's like, <laughs> like we were saying, it's not got a computer. It, it's very, in Alex's words, very manual. And I expect really like the Hercules was to fly. What, what, what were the quirks with the Hercules? Was it like flying? Did, did you feel its age when you were flying? No, I didn't really feel its age. I, I mean, you know, it was like any big aircraft. You had to, the momentum of the thing, you know, you put a control input in and you kind of sat there and then it sort of went left a bit or whatever, which, you know, because it wasn't really responsive like a jet or a little light aircraft, it, it's hard to describe. In some ways, it's, you know, that difference between a solid old car and a sort of flimsy car. The Hercules just felt solid. I put this thing down on, on grass strips or, you know, I didn't do too much tax stuff at all, but, you know, you could, you could truck it round the world and I don't know, she just was a wonderful aircraft to fly. I'm, I'm loving this. I'm, lo- I'm loving getting all the memories out. I was going to say something else as well, is that with the Hercules, I always think, I mean, people call it the workhorse, but it's like, you need to fly past, you get the Hercules. You need somebody picking up, you get the Hercules. You need somebody extracting off a grass strip, you get the Hercules. You need somebody to land on a beach, you get the Hercules. Well, there's a thermonuclear device that needs picking up from some very strange land. Oh, just get the Hercules. Were you, were you tasked like that? Just just send you in and get stuff. Well, you know, there used to be this thing. I remember going to the States and sometimes you'd have a full load going out. And then I remember one particular time we went out and then we were at the other side of the States and we were empty with nothing to bring back. And we were tasked just come straight back. But all of us, nobody was in a rush to get back. So we sort of touted for business. And um, I remember Ascot Ops realising they had a bit of freight up in Canada. So we diverted, which just took us slightly longer to get back. And we went and picked up like a piece of art for the Imperial War Museum. (laughs) You know, there was some strange stuff. I mean... Some of my friends can tell you all sorts of things. People carried animals. There, there was all sorts of strange things that we, we carried over the years. Um, Pringles. I remember taking Pringles into Kabul for some reason, <laughs> probably for, for, for the, uh, the, the naffy or the little shop. But yeah, carried all sorts of stuff. Which, which squadron or squadrons were you on? So I, was, uh, I started off in 30 Squadron as a co-pilot and then I went off over to 47 Squadron as a captain. So my co-pilot tour was completely pre-9-11. Uh, 9-11 happened about six, eight months into my tour as a captain on 47. So things kind of changed in the way and the places we went to. We went out to, to, to sandy deserts a lot more after that. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, absolutely. But that's what that's what that's what it's for. That's exactly what that aircraft is all about doing, you know. And do you keep track of? So thirty's just been uh, stood back up the other day to to be an A four hundred squadron, and obviously forty seven are still here do, doing the same same thing as when you would have been a captain. Do you keep track of what what the Herc Herc fleet is still doing? Yeah, I mean, um, I was delighted to see thirty stood back up because I also flew on thirty on the J model, and I saw the the Facebook posts when Facebook was working and I saw a number of familiar faces on there just looking a little bit older but flying uh, the A400. Uh, 47 Squadron has a, a very active association so I'm still in touch with them uh, and it is, it's, it's great to see what's what's going on and what people are up to. In, in the old days when we were all at Lynham, it, you know, there was that whole sense that we disappeared off into Lynham when we were posted there. Well, it's, it's interesting because I came to Bryce in, in 2014 um, yeah. and that wasn't so long after uh, the 30 and 47 and, and the Herc fleet moved up from, from Lynham and so many people here talk about Lynham with such affinity mm. and Bryce took on so many responsibilities from Lynham, repatriation, you know, the Herc fleet coming over. You know, it felt like Bryce became you know, Lynham 2.0 to a degree, and the people just still talk about it with such an affection. And you can hear it when you talk about it. It's it's just so tangible still. Yeah. So you see, the thing with Lynham is, I guess Lynham was just the Herc fleet. You know, it was one type of aircraft. Well, then it became two as we brought the J model in. But it was that, you know, my early days there. Um, it was just this pan full of, of K models with people coming and going at all times of the day or night. And it, it just, it, 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 there was a very cohesive feel um, because of that. Um, looking over to Bryce, it was always like, well, they've got different aircraft types. It was the home of many rather than the home of one. Um, and I think that was, was the difference back then. Um, I haven't had a chance to go to Bryce really. Uh, it's good to hear that, that there's sort of that similar feel. Um, and I guess it's the home of one now because it's the home of, of air mobility. Um, so again, that brings its cohesiveness. I think I would always think of the Hercules as being just like bomb proof, you know, fight through fire, like you say, land, land on a dustbin lid, that kind of thing, like just crazy stuff. But what were the quirks of the Hercules to fly. I mean, did you get in any particular aircraft and think, oh no, this one does this, this one behaves like this. She's a bit temperamental. I mean, was was the like, not faults so much, but were the things that you were aware of, like, like go back to the old car analogy, you're aware of some things that aren't quite right with it. Was it like that with the Hercules? Um, I don't remember, Ginny, any specifics. There was a few of the aircraft that you'd get on and they'd been adopted by like some air cadets and there'd be a little plaque when you went on there was certain aircraft that they just I don't know they they, they were they were all different but they were all the same okay um you know important thing did the oven work <laughs> <laughs> um you yeah. know because because I've got two things I need in an aircraft and that's a galley and a toilet yeah Probably Absolutely. toilet. First. You're the second Jesse said that. <laughs> you know, well, our, our first guest, Dick Lorty, said always work on an aircraft that's got a toilet. <laughs> that was his number one rule, and he was talking about. That's how he ended up on the TriStar. That's brilliant. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, you know, 
it, it had an oven rather than a microwave. I mean, the, the sad thing is you couldn't make microwave popcorn on the old K model and you could on the J, but when you were sort of flying out of, uh, out of somewhere and you wanted bacon and eggs and you had a creative loading, they could make it far easier in an oven than they could in a microwave. Um, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. I was about to tell you about a nickname, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of the people we've, spoke, we've spoken to recently, uh, it, it, a lot of it's been about they love their time on the aircraft, but what really made it was the people they were on the aircraft with and their time in the squadrons. And that's been a real resounding theme just throughout our whole series. I, I'm, and it sounds like it's it's the same for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I was I, I was about to divulge a little uh, nickname that tagged on to me as a co-pilot, and and it was a classic because it was the banter between between the people and between the people in the squadron, and it was just great to be with people, and you know, you'd have the you'd have the captain, you know, as a co-pilot that that had so many stories. But it was almost like he got to the end of the final story and he'd look back and start telling you them all over again. <laughs> yeah, I had right. I'll tell you this. We'll decide afterwards if it can go in or not. So, um, Ginny, I'm hearing you call me Alice because that that is my name. But back in the days, the haircut's known more as Ali. And as a co-pilot, I ate quite a lot, and I was kind of known for coming on the intercom you know, partway through a flight and going, Lodi, is there any more meals left? <laughs> and so um, one captain nicknamed me and it stuck for a while, Ali McMeal. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And then, and then you might have another Lodi that was not renowned for doing much in the way of cooking and getting getting the food up to you. So we used to banter that we'd have to bring our pot noodles with us and not the hot water. That's awesome. But, but food did food, food did favour um quite highly for me back then. And now, but I'm, I'm gonna call you Ali from now on then, Alice. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be completely confusing because I've got Al and Ali. Uh but um yeah. <laughs> just just going back to when you first started your aviation career and you obviously were wanting to go on fast jets. If you hadn't gone on the Hercules, what other aircraft would, would you have liked? Do you sometimes think, oh, yeah, I would have liked to have flown that? So looking back, I the aircraft that I wanted to fly was the Tornado GR1. And although I didn't get combat ready on it, I got 150 hours on it. So I did kind of fly it. And I got that fun and chance through training to fly the Hawk and do all the low-level stuff. But with hindsight, I flew the best aircraft in the K model. Oh, I absolutely love it. I mean, when I came back from my instruction instructional tour, because I went on to instruct in a university air squadron on the Grob Tutor, when I came back to line, I was fully expecting to come back onto the K model. Um, and I was kind of a little bit disappointed that I went on to the new J model. I find it fascinating today because I look at some of the aircraft out there and they just look so full of tech now and I preferred the old school dials and you know an autopilot that would do what you tell it but you just took it out and flew the aircraft if you wanted rather than trying to program every move on the J model I I remember uh, co-pilots just going head down onto the 
the, the little screen and programming fast and furious um, the aircraft to fly its way all the way in on an approach. Whereas it, for me, it would be easier just to take the autopilot out and fly it than to take the time to punch lots of buttons. So I'm probably a bit more old school. And, and the more I look at modern aircraft, the more I think, oh, um, yeah, maybe I was better in the day when when I was on the old style aircraft. It's amazing how much of just an absolute generational leap that was from one model of, of you know, the same aircraft to, to the next is that the, the J was just so full of tech. And I, I love hearing that you just want to be far more tactile. You just want to grab the yoke and, and fly it as opposed to get the computer to fly it for you. That's It's so brilliant to hear. You know, hats off to the younger generation being so agile with the technology. But I guess, you know, they've grown up more with with that sort of you know, with computers and, and apps and, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, here I am uh, trying to work out how to do something. Uh, and I just want to go, oh, can I pick up the phone and ring someone? <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's different generation. And gosh, we need that new generation to fly the new aircraft. So it's just recognising uh, how different things are over the years. It's a complete, completely different skill though to 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 fly to navigate to op, to operate an aircraft without the technology is is a is a is an amazing skill set and i've spoken to a few of the bbmf pilots who are also in the air transport fleet here who are flying the very technological aircraft but then they, they fly the lancaster or the dakota and they kind of say the same thing you know it's nice to get behind an aircraft that's not got any of the computers and mm. they fly it fly it old school you know yeah. you have to. we had we had the human computers because we had the navigator <laughs> you yeah. know it just happened to be a person that did all this weird stuff like um use decometers and take star shots and uh, and you know look at the map and work out how much fuel we needed at that point and could you come left co-pilot two degrees or whatever or you know the, the the walking encyclopedia that was sat between us and the flight engineer, that if if something was slightly wrong, knew every way to work around the system and knew knew the aircraft inside out, so had all the information the computer has, but could talk to you about it. And and the engineers were particularly flight engineers were particularly trained to sit there, open a book and and describe it all to us as pilots um, and share their knowledge so that we understood what they were about to do and how that would impact us and what workaround was next. And and just, you know, that sense of people. I loved having people around us, four people on the flight deck. It it felt busy and and four of us packed into a small space, especially when the loadie came up and joined us. Um, compared to the emptiness of the same size flight deck on the J with just two pilots. I've got a, just a couple of questions to ask you, Alice. This is going to perhaps sound a really bizarre thing to say. Firstly, did you always feel safe on the Hercules? Like when, wherever you were flying into, you know, we were talking the other day about the, um, the special forces flight that basically landed in pitch black with the um, night vision goggles on, uh, on a strip in the desert somewhere. Hercules just went straight in and got them out. And there has to be complete reliance on the aircraft. Did you always feel safe in the Hercules? That's my first question. And my second one is, and I don't know if I can say this or not, 
Have you any thoughts on the new Pretender, the A400? So did I feel safe? I felt safe in terms of the aircraft itself and our ability as a crew to operate it and how well we were trained. You know from my backstory, Ginny, that there was a time flying into Afghanistan um, just after 9-11 where I thought, oh, I might be safe in terms of flying the aircraft and what the aircraft can do. But of course, there's always threats from outside the aircraft if you go to a dangerous place. Mm. Um, So, and I suppose the only other thing is I didn't like turbulence. The Hercules didn't like, you know, severe turbulence. We used to pay attention to the Metman where there was. I do remember one time coming over France and it was particularly turbulent. And I never liked having to tell the loadmaster that not only could he make sure all the the passengers were were sat down and strapped in, but could he do that as well? But I don't like turbulence on a civil (laughs) aircraft either when I'm sat down the back going, uh, what's going on here? So I I had complete confidence in the aircraft from a safety perspective, but of course not all environments we fly into are safe. Hmm. The other question... I'm trying to remember what it was, Jenny. Just about the like the A400, really. Oh. You know, are you a bit like because like I've I've got a, a an MX5 2.5, and the three model, I'm like, yeah, it's okay, but it's not a 2.5. You know what I mean? I'm a little bit like that. Are you like that with the A400? So I flew on the A400 down in the Falklands. I got up with uh, a captain that I used to fly with on Herx, and I think it's pretty pretty cool aircraft. But it's it's not Lockheed Martin. It's not a Hercules. <laughs> I'm, I'm always going to be in love with with my first truly operational aircraft, and and that's the key. It will always hold a special place, and nothing will ever touch it. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you remember your last flight? Do you remember the last time you landed? And how did you feel when you were wheels down for the last time? So the last flight I ever landed on the Hurricane, last entry in my logbook was Family's Day at Lynham. And I didn't know it was going to be my last flight. Oh, that's awful. I had previously done a last flight, uh, which was going to be my last flight because I was going to leave the Air Force and I started resettlement. But then because of the financial crash of 2008 and British Airways not having that job lined up for me that they'd promised, well, not promised, but I I was in the holding pool for British Airways at one point. It ended up not being my last trip because I, I stayed on at that point in the Air Force when I had been going to leave. So my last flight in the Herc was not intended to be my last flight. And so it, it doesn't really feel like that. I don't know how to say that. I guess in some ways that's better. But in some ways, it's sad because you never got to. Yeah. yeah. Although one of the things when I left the Air Force in 2011 to go into ministry, I left the Air Force from Lynham, but I left after all the Herx had moved up to Bryce. So in some ways, it was like I was not leaving Lynham, which was nice because that would have been really tough to leave the Air Force and leave Lynham with all the Herx parked up there. Mm. It, it was a softer ending, if that makes sense. And it wasn't an ending because here I am back in the Air Force. And and I am just a little bit sort of flip. How will some of the people that because, you know, I'm just I'm just a person that flew it. I'm I'm not an expert. I wasn't an instructor on it. And I kind of think there's probably lots of people out there that uh, know the aircraft, you know, probably would have been 
better sources of information than the aircraft itself. Mine's very much a, a, a sense looking back and recalling fun times flying a fun aircraft. I really enjoyed that chat. And I keep thinking every time we speak to these people, I'm in my head, I go, that was my favourite chat. But I, mm. I, I don't want to rank them in my head because they've all been absolutely incredible. But uh, for, for me, especially, you know, the Herc is a big part of my working life at the moment at Bryce. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I really, I really do love the aircraft and hearing uh, Alice share her stories there was, was, was just brilliant. And the thing I love about Alice is that she's just a fantastic padre as well, you know, and she's walked the walk and she talks the talk with everybody in the military. You've, got, well. to, you've got to be honest, padre and C-130 pilot are not the kind of things that people normally say in the same sentence. That's a pretty hardcore padre. I know. And I, I love it that her husband uh, was a phantom navigator as well. We tried so hard to get him on, uh, but he's not having any of it but I mean, he's is, an absolute dude as well that is rock and roll family right there you can't get any cue the acdc anytime they walk into any room anywhere yeah. oh definitely definitely um i, I want to say uh, are we going to kemble it or keep it out but i almost feel that that is rude to do for the hercules I you know what i mean yeah keep it <laughs> I, I almost feel that it's a redundant statement. I almost feel it's an insult to the Hercules to say that. So I apologise wholeheartedly to the C-130 for even saying the K-word. I would keep them forever if it was me. What about yeah, you? No, I would. I completely agree. I don't think we even need to have the conversation because I think it, it transcends the need for it. It's a redundant statement. You're right. We, it doesn't, we don't, it's there. We shall never speak of it again. <laughs> we shall never speak of it again. Exactly. Anyway, if you want to get in touch, oh, do you know what? Before we go on, we've had a review. Good news. Um, we've had uh, lots of people listening and actually we've had a review on uh, our podcast, <laughs> which is which is lovely to see. So thank you so much for everyone who's listening. And we've got to say a big hello to Neil Holsworth, who actually left us a proper like text review. He didn't just hit the star and go, love it. He actually uh, said something. So it's so really nice to hear from you, Neil, uh, someone that we knew from, from our time in Jib as well, which is really lovely to, to hear. Yeah, thank you, Neil. That was lovely. If you want to leave a review for us or you just want to say hi or if you agree or disagree with anything we've said, obviously the TriStar is off limits. But if you want to uh, get in touch with us about one of your Herc stories, please do. It's just mavgeeks at bfbs.com. I have a feeling, Al, that next week is the last one in our series. It is indeed, which is a shame, but we'll be back. Fear not. We will. We've got some (laughs) awesome specials lined up and the second series, just like Alan Partridge, we've got that second series. Didn't he never get it? <laughs> oh, no, he didn't. <laughs>